You're listening to The Marriage Project Podcast, episode number two. Today, we get to hear from Rick and Michelle Anderson. Jesus came in and transformed both of their hearts at Bible College in Spain of all places. I think this was a direct quote from Rick. Michelle came in smoking from the world, meaning she was still kind of in a place of rebelling against the Lord. She had grown up in church, went to Bible college just to appease her parents. But this is the way the Lord works. He still had a plan, had a purpose for Michelle going across the ocean where she met Rick and to hear how he worked in both of their lives and how he brought them together, the miracles he's done for them are just awe-striking and point to his greatness, his goodness, his miracle-working abilities. And I pray it's an encouragement to your heart and an invitation to dare to hope that this same God that brought together Rick and Michelle can bring together both you and your spouse if you're waiting on marriage to encourage you to be faithful to serve him in your singleness as you wait And for you married couples, that you would just believe that God is for you. He hears your prayers. He's not not answering you to be cruel. It's just that he has something so much greater than you could even imagine. Sometimes in our pain, not sometimes, in our pain, he is near. And it's hard to remember that when it hurts. And I'm preaching even to myself here because I've been in seasons of waiting and I'm still in a season of waiting. And... When we don't see the prayers that we're praying answered in the affirmative or in the way we imagined, we just assume God's not for us, that he doesn't want to bless us, that he isn't hearing us, or we go around and make things happen in our own timing, in our own doing. But I just pray that hearing Rick and Michelle's story encourages you to know that you can put your hope and trust in the Lord, and he will bring to pass everything he intends to bring to pass in just the right timing. If you're finding hope, something that's just far removed from your life right now, I just pray that you can find that hope once more and just be persistent to ask him again for that thing you've been asking for, that he's placed this desire in your heart for a reason and he wants to be the Lord of your life and be the Lord of your marriage and just continue to just draw near to him because that's truly what he wants from us. He wants us to draw near in our pain and in our, our hardship and in the uncertainty, go to somewhere that's certain. And that's his word. And that's prayer and praise. And just thank him in advance for what he's going to do because he is still in the miracle working business. He is still transforming hearts and minds. And Rick and Michelle are both a testament to that. They're evidence that he is at work and that he can change even the hardest of hearts. If you're praying for a spouse that just isn't budging, is just stubborn or hard to live with, or there's just this wall up between the two of you, or communication is lacking, God can change any heart. And the coolest part is that when we're coming to him in prayer, he begins to change us from the inside out. And when he does that, our responses change. And that could be the very way he gets your spouse's attention through that changed attitude, through those changed responses. Just like we heard last month from Mitch and Maria Vorbetz. If you haven't heard it yet, go back, check it out. It's so encouraging. It's so awesome. I found myself re-listening to it and I wanted to know more. I was like, wait, what was going on in Mitch's heart? What was happening there? And I would love to ask them. Maybe I can get an update for everybody or talk to them more and do an updated episode. That that is evidence that he can change someone's heart. He can change the direction your marriage is headed in. Or if you're single, he will show you where he wants you to serve him in this time. And without waiting any longer, I'm happy to present to you Rick and Michelle Anderson and their testimony behind their matrimony. As a wedding photographer, I've been a part of a lot of weddings. But weddings are just one day. What about the marriage? What is marriage? And who defines it? I often wonder, what do couples wish they had known before stepping into marriage? The Marriage Project exists to glorify God through the real, raw stories of husbands and wives spanning across the nation who admit the challenges in marriage might be great, 
but God, He is greater. And we're here to say that you and your marriage matters to God. My name is Alicia Miller, and I'll be your host. And these are the testimonies behind the matrimonies. Hey, my name is Alicia Miller, and it's Saturday, July 8th. This is the second interview today with Michelle Anderson and Rick Anderson, um, and we are recording in, how do you pronounce it? Washougal, Washington. So we crossed over from Oregon. Um, so you guys, welcome. You can say hello. This, hello. this is Michelle. This is me. Yeah, this is Michelle. Um, and what's your background, Michelle? We're both from yeah. We're both from California and um, kind of grew up overseas. My dad's a chef and raised Christian. Raised Christian home and uh, trying to think what else. My mom went blank. Sorry. <laughs> Oliver. I'm Rick Anderson. I get to be Michelle's uh, husband, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, from I was uh, born in Denver, Colorado, but as young as I can remember, I was raised in Southern California, and uh, raised in a Latino American family. Loved it, and uh, yeah. Well, so you guys were ra- you were raised in California, Michelle? Yeah. And you grew up in. I was in, in Palm California. Springs. Yeah, oh, in I California. was in Palm Springs and San Diego okay. area, and then South America, okay. India. Oh wow! All over. How oh, cool! Yeah. yeah. So they've been telling me a lot about their story, and I want to hear more. Just your guys' testimony um, growing up, um, knowing the Lord, and then walking away, and um, how you guys met. Yeah. Want to go first? Um, you go ahead and go, and then I'll. Jumping. So yeah, basically, I, I, I was I, my, my, I was raised in a Catholic home, and um, okay, uh, not very aggressive, you know, more Latino style, where it's um, it's something we do, you know, and we get confirmed and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, my mom passed away when I was seven, mm-hmm. and the family didn't know how to deal with that, and she was like the star of the family. So mm-hmm. everyone got kind of depressed and started drinking a lot, mm-hmm. and and life went from really amazing to really like dark really fast Mm -hmm. and my stepmom was definitely not uh, a god-fearing person at all and she told me that we come from monkeys and it made sense Mm -hmm. because the teachers were saying the same thing and and so I started to adapt that we're we're animals and um, we're we're to do our best and not get caught as my Mm -hmm. dad would say so um, from young child till about 27 I was, I was a good guy, you know. I tried to do my best and was wanted to be the center of attention and have a, be retired by thirty and mm. you know all that stuff and mm. um, and I fell in love with a girl and um, I always tried to bring people together. It never really worked and um, my heart got broke really bad. Uh, it was a seven year relationship and it, it crashed very ugly with a drug addiction for her and and, uh, and a friend and um, my heart was completely shattered I was angry I hated who I was uh, I hated everything about who I was so I, I made myself to be someone else over the next three years and over the next three years I I pretty much was was uh, leading Satan's parade I started growing weed um, started being in heavy metal bands and punk bands and started recording studio on a record label and funded it by growing massive amounts of marijuana and pretty much did whatever I wanted and uh, about 30 or 29 Jesus showed up and and said you know you're looking for truth and I'm it and radically radically uh, saved me by me trying to prove him wrong and then he he showed himself faithful but then I still couldn't believe him and he called me to forgive the person who hurt me the most which was my friend who deceived me and stole from me and he gave me an open vision made it clear that I was supposed to do it and I couldn't understand why because I hated him and um, I'm I, on my way to go do it God gave me mercy towards him and showed me my life and his life and that I was loved and he never knew love so I, I went and I said hey I need to forgive you we've been feuding for three years right mm-hmm. and um, and he basically said uh I deserve your forgiveness. Well, it turns out while I was arguing with God in my dad's kitchen, mm-hmm. I'm talking like arguing with God about it, um, he, he, had, he was about to shoot himself. And he told me that, and when he did, uh, the Holy Spirit came on me for the first time in the 
God came on me and I, I preached the gospel right. and all the hate and death came off my life and, and love and peace and joy and grace came into my life and um, that was it that was done that was, it was a three month process that sealed the deal in a, in a covenant with God that would never end um, and so in my path I wound up in Bible college as a 30 year old guy which is not normal 30 year old guy in Bible college not very common so I'm very <laughs> careful around young girls right I'm third semester in Spain very at this point uh, I got a prophetic word before I went to school from a very conservative couple that don't give prophetic words and it it was powerful because I had $1,700 to go to Israel mm. and in the in the prophetic picture was scriptures I'm the Lord your God my ways are above your ways my thoughts are above your mm. thoughts I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and give mm. you a sure hope go to Bible college don't worry about what anybody's gonna say don't worry about your dad don't worry about nothing because I don't come from a Christian home mm. and there was the exact amount of money to complete the $3,000 tuition. Wow. And if I go to Bible college, that I had it. And at the bottom it said, by the way, your wife's at Bible college. If you go there Whoa. looking for her, your eyes will remain veiled and you'll never see her. If you go there looking for me, you sh I'll reveal her to you. She's nothing you ever expected and everything you've ever needed. Wow. So, That's so me. I, did, <laughs> I did three years. Uh, Bible college and I say three years because I went one semester and one semester off fixing my life which was a complete catastrophe mm -hmm. so paying back debts I almost got arrested my second semester because things that were going on to the house that was under my name because mm -hmm. things went haywire as soon as I left yeah. and so I'm like on spring break wondering if I'm going to go to jail mm -hmm. well as a Bible college student not because anything I'm doing but something my name's tied to right so my third semester I barely make it there and she's there and we got 14 students of a super advanced, hard to get into, um, tight community. And she just writes this excellent, and you'll hear why, how, but she writes this excellent um, resume that they believe in. And she walks in and I just see this girl smoking from the world. And I'm just like, how did she get here? Like, like whoa. And, and she was just all glitters. by the world. Like she had 250 pound suitcase of clubbing and beach clothes oh. and I'm talking <laughs> 50 pound <laughs> of very small pieces of material oh my okay? gosh <laughs> and very very high shoes okay very stiletto let's go to Stilettos. party island oh. absolutely oh right. so so mom um, and dad thought bible college yeah. Michelle yeah, so. was thinking party island but being okay. that I came yeah. from such a dark place and such a sailor mouth all right, so I hate to cut in. You're probably wondering why you're hearing me again, but I wanted to explain to you there was a break in Rick and Michelle's interview because of life. They were so gracious to go up to these back fields behind their house with me and then drive all the way down to the water. But we had to feed their three boys and Nellie and Art, who is next month's couple, who had watched their three boys for us while we went to take photos. And we started recording while we were waiting. We got interrupted by the server bringing us the food, so we had to stop again. So you're going to hear that a couple more times. So if it is choppy, that's why. And I hope that you can still enjoy. They dive right back in, kind of recap what they were already saying. But they're going to finish telling you their story. So... Here we go. Just wanted to explain that to you all. Hope you're enjoying. Now back to Rick and Michelle. So yeah, the, the main point was that because I came from the world, when I came into Bible college in the Christian world, I really didn't know how to talk, how to relate, how to, um, especially to, to, to girls, you know, and how to honor them and how to speak because I was so used to a certain way of communication that was not honoring the women. So knowing that feeling, this ties into where I met Michelle and we had our first conversation because when she came into Bible college I was like absolutely not no way am I going near this girl like first of all not only is she young and she's looking at me with these starry eyes but but she has no like I'm ready to marry like a pastor's daughter who's ready to go to live in a, a teepee in Morocco and like feed the homeless and you know like do crazy things and I'm like there's no way this 19 year old girl so no right okay so enter Michelle I like a challenge <laughs> it's like, like gar garlic on my neck you know oh my god no he is that's a good uh, explanation of where I was at and yes the 50 pound bags of clothes it was so humbling
once I got there because we lived in these super small flats and every there was no space and then I had to kind of explain myself <laughs> so it was good okay. but um I had grown up in a Christian home and I'm 14 years younger than Rick so it was quite a big that age gap that he was talking about but I uh my parents have always loved the Lord and uh, since I've been born but they come from rough backgrounds and um so, um, we, I have had a lot of overseas experience with them. My father's a chef and, um, seen a lot of missionaries and just people that love the Lord, but I kind of had this sense of entitlement through it all, like that I know Jesus because my parents know Jesus and I love Jesus because they love Jesus, but I can't really look back on my past and point out specific times where I felt any connection or relationship with Jesus I kind of feel like I stood on the sidelines and looked at everything in awe of like that's they feel something and I love what these people are doing and they're giving their lives and how they're serving him and when they talk about him they feel something but I don't necessarily myself so um just growing up overseas like I was saying there I was exposed to a lot of stuff and kind of was a wild child a little bit and then when we moved back to the States, um, it just continued on. And then, um, I had this really unique experience one summer that, uh, I told my mom before I started college, I'd like to do some traveling. And she said, okay, how about you go here, um, to this place where you can go to Jamaica, you work there in the summer and then you go to Jamaica. And I said, okay, I like Jamaica. And I'm thinking I should get to go there and get high and, smoke lots of weed basically and I come to find out my mom sent me to an internship in this town out in the middle of nowhere in Georgia called Madison Georgia with all of these retired missionaries amazing testimonies and um it it, yes and it became anything but my smoking weed Jamaica experience I thought I was gonna have and uh, they encouraged me to go to Bible college so I came back home and again told my mom I'd like to go to Bible college and she is um pretty much computer illiterate in a lot of ways but she happened to find Calvary Chapel Bible College and um, extension campuses so I um, in my rebelliousness looked at all the different schools and picked out the school that had the the rules that I could follow and um, wound up in Spain and so after I applied to Bible College and um, found myself accepted I decided that I didn't want to go and kind of went nuts and and went down to you know went all over California and down Mexico for a month and just partied like crazy and ran from anywhere getting close to the Lord and then um, came back home and my parents my father especially was like you're going and if you don't go you're no longer welcome to live in our house and so then I said fine I'll just take this free trip to Spain and pack my 50 pound bags and (laughs) off I went (laughs) and uh, I show up there and initially yeah here I am yeah I think I, I walk into this super small church and this island above a bar out in the middle of nowhere and think that I'm just above a karaoke bar yep awesome and I think I'm just gonna grace everybody with my presence because all my party experience in the world and everything I thought I was something fantastic and um the Lord really just showed me in that time what true beauty is Mm -hmm. and and I you know at first I'm surrounded by these girls that are just virgins pastors daughters naive in every sense exactly and that's what I was thinking like I'm going to pop their little bubble of Mm -hmm. this world that they live in that's not the real world and show them how much fun they could be having but they just showed me so much grace and love as they were around me they virtue and what that looks like as they just loved on me and never said anything like hey do you think you should not be wearing that or hey you're acting a little bit ridiculous or whatever you know and they just totally gave me grace and that was exactly what I needed and then they transformed before me into these beautiful daughters of Christ where I literally looked at them and I thought I could not so I was saying that um initially going there and meeting my roommates and who they were I just was kind of 
um, judgmental and prideful. And then as I got to know them and see the Lord in them, they just transformed before me into these beautiful women and daughters of God and that had really set themselves apart. And I got to see in a really pure way what it looks like to be holy. And for the first time in my life, started desiring that as well by, by seeing their example. And then, um, you know, Satan just totally started to attack me after being there because then at first initially I felt prideful and didn't need anybody and then as I saw this then I felt like the black sheep and like the tainted one of the group and then feeling like oh my gosh I had I wasn't meant to be here I was a mistake I had lied on my application to bible college who does that (laughs) and uh and so I just started really feeling um isolated and um a lot of shame and condemnation and out of all the students that were there there was uh, a lot of 19-year-olds and younger, seven yeah, seven. a lot of younger people, basically. And then there was Rick, who was this older guy who was I was definitely attracted to. But uh, more so than that, I could tell, even though he hadn't shared his testimony with me, and he deliberately didn't share his testimony with me because it's intimate, you know, and he didn't want to get close to me in that way. And so, But um, I knew from his testimony that he had had life experience like I had and um I could confide in him even though I didn't know him and so um so was that like your first interaction that was our first interaction yeah I I saw her and I I saw that uh, that unfamiliar feeling that familiar feeling of I gotta get out of here I don't Mm -hmm. belong here Mm -hmm. and um so I just went up to her and I said hey you can go but you're gonna miss out those girls are gonna miss out you have something for them and they have something for you and if you if you take off you guys are gonna both miss out yeah and he I I basically just confided in him and he prayed over me and encouraged me like he said and um and I was immediately attracted to it not only because he was attractive but because that was something that I hadn't had before in a relationship with a guy like a healthy healthy communication and even though you know he had no feelings for me just the way he loved on me Mm -hmm. it was like brotherly fatherly Mm -hmm. and kind yeah just caring and I was like what is going on and why is this attractive and all of my past stuff I didn't know how to filter that you know Mm -hmm. so I was immediately like attracted and drawn to him and he he noticed that and uh immediately came to me the next day and was like hey I just want to let you know I grew up with a bunch of girls and so it's very easy for me to connect to them and I hope that I didn't give you the wrong impression in any way I just see you as a sister Mm -hmm. and inside I'm like wounded my pride (laughs) and so I just respond with don't flatter yourself and walk away (laughs) I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) who does this right so so yeah the Lord just really um brought me to a place where yeah where I really felt like he was the potter in my life and I am this clay and he's breaking down anything I was and molding me into something new and for the first time I wanted it not mm-hmm. because my parents were telling me or anything but because I genuinely wanted to go on this adventure with him and mm-hmm. was curious like okay I've kind of made a mess of things once I've, now that I've come out of my bubble of reality mm-hmm. and look at the uh the mess, the trail that I left behind me, realizing, okay, this is probably the best that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get any better. And like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that was, that was where that journey began. And then, um, and then I started falling in love with him just unbeknownst to me mm-hmm. because I would see him, um, just serving others and praying. Um, we hang out in groups. We hang out in only, only in groups, yeah. And I'd see him just encouraging. He was such a Barnabas in so many ways. He always encouraging people, and then just had hearts for things that I love, like a heart for worship, a heart for serving, a heart for the Lord, just personal hunger for the Lord. First time I heard him pray in a group setting in the morning, we used to get together and have morning devotions and he was started praying and it was so intimate. It was like those closet prayers that I maybe have had once or twice with the Lord and he was praying it out loud comfortably in an open room. And I was like, does he know that everybody can hear him? (laughs) But it was so sincere and genuine and I wanted that so um 
anyways and then I and then I got super attacked because I'm like oh my gosh he's a distraction keeping Mm. me from my relationship with the Lord which is what I really need to focus on right now so um then uh, I can let you hop in and continue Um, from here I think the bottom line is you she got baptized on a retreat. It was it was awesome, and the whole experience was just incredible. You saw a real transformation with her, a real choice for God. I had a lot of guys come up to me and be like, "Well, if you like a girl, like, what do you do?" I said, "Look, this is such a special time to build relationships that are like special and will change your life. You know, so deep, and don't mess it up by trying to make a romance out of it here. Like, if you feel special about somebody, wait till the end of the semester, and at the end of the semester, say, hey." Just let you know, if you can handle this without putting a bunch of weight on the girl, just say, I I would like more with you. But let me know if that's real for you or not. And if not, then I'll I'll step it back, you know. And I go, in that way, they don't feel pressure. It doesn't get awkward because you got 14 students total. And we're together doing everything on the island, reaching out to kids that are like 13 going on 30. So, So I took my own advice because there was no way that she could possibly be safe from my heart that was still in shraps, but Jesus put it together, but only he was the only one I trusted. And I wouldn't, at this point, I tried a couple relationships in my Christianity and they were all shipwrecks in the sense of like ruined friendships. And I didn't want to do that again because I had people that I loved that no longer could be close to anymore. I was not trying to be in a relationship at all. At the end of the semester, you know, I went up to her and I didn't know how to do this, but I was just like, hey, I want to talk to you. Can we like maybe go for a walk tomorrow or something like that? It's the last week of school and it's fine. And she goes, well, we got to study. But yeah, so all of a sudden she took it to another level. Like, oh my gosh, she's like, you know, but it let her know that I, I want to say something. But in my mind, I wasn't going to say anything serious. I was going to comfort her in the reality that she's awesome. Let's talk about all the reasons why not, right? So we go for a walk. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, because there was a little bit of that, the challenge part that I liked. And in the past, I was like, oh, let me get this person to care about me and then drop them. Mm -hmm. Like, just for fun and not intentionally, but that's what happened. So with him, when I realized that I didn't think there was going to be anything and all of a sudden I realized he, he might maybe like me in the reality set in of like, oh my goodness, I really care about him. And I... And was I just playing a game, or do I have genuine feelings for this person? So, so I I came up to her the next day, and we started going for a walk, and I just said, look, you're going to make a great wife for somebody someday. You're an awesome girl, you know. But one, you're 19. Two, you're 19. <laughs> Three, you're 19. Four... You've just had a fantasy island experience and you got to go back and face your friends that are waiting for you to move out and party. Like, you got to go back onto the real world and find out if this decision is really real. I'm taking care of my, my grandparents in Los Angeles. You're going to be going back with your parents in Phoenix. You probably want to go to college. You probably want to date somebody. I don't plan on kissing anyone until I'm married or never again. Like, I just, I've learned my boundary. It's not safe. I can't do it. So if you want any of these really, you know, if, you, if you've seen some romantic idea about who I am and what it'd be nice like, reality of it is, is I'm not wasting any time. Like, I'm not trying to pursue a relationship. I'm after Jesus. Well, I am. And, and I'm a hard person to share life with because I'll be at a gas station until 2 a.m. talking to a homeless person, which sounds cute until that, that you're waiting for that person to come home. I just want to, like, pop the, like, romantic idea and just bring it to reality real quick and just be like, well, let's be flattered that we think we're great, you know, and that you yeah, think you're great, but like this, why would you still want to pursue anything, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, remember, and you want to say what you said? Yeah, I just, I just shared with him that I, I've seen your heart in all of these different areas, and I've fallen in love with your heart, and mm-hmm. I would, I would follow that. And that was totally the Lord. I mean, I didn't... She didn't understand the depth of what she had said because that's the only thing she could have said that would have kind of thrown me for a loop. But then I go to the pastor's house that night. And, I, and so we, we agreed. And then I, I let's go, just look, be let's, let's just give back to the Lord. Let's just say, hey, if God wants to do something, we could do something. But reality is, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I went to the pastor's house, who was like my age, and I said, hey, I need to let you know if anyone saw us walking around, this is what we talked about, this is what we discussed, this is what we, did, we decided. And he's like, okay, cool. The next time we met up was the last day, the day before everybody was going back home, and we were doing Ultimate Frisbee. I'm going to 
beach. with all the people we've been out reaching to and I showed up I rode my bike there and I was super thirsty the game's about to start and I was like hey Michelle what's going on because she's downcast you know I'm like what's going on she's like the reality of going back to Arizona and but she and but she started she started giving the answer and it was like it was a big answer and I'm like I just was expecting like a short sentence you know and I was like okay I need to get something to drink the game's about to start I totally want to hear what you have to say but you want to walk with me so I go get a water she's like yeah so I hear her walking around from this shoulder over here, and as I step to the curb, the street along the, the beach, the main street had been closed off. As I step to the curb, I see a car coming. Mm. And my mind, I think, the like road's the whole, open. The whole semester that we had been on the island is off-season, so they're doing all this construction mm. and preparation for all the tourists coming. So this road had been, com- there had been gates on each side. It had been completely closed. So I'd crossed the road mm. so many times, and there was never any cars on it. But either by the spirit or by an angel, my arm flew back forcibly because I heard her voice right here, but hard enough to knock her off her feet. Mm. I was like, look out. And I threw my arm back. <laughs> she, she fell back. And then as I turned around, the, a car that came had already ran over the front of her ankle. Oh and she had grabbed onto my arm and was hanging with her ankle faced up in the curb like this. Mm-hmm. And I saw the back tire come and just land on the oh, back right. of her ankle oh, and rip her foot out out of joint like a speed <laughs> and and she starts going into shock and i just hear her say rick why is this happening and i'm like oh man like this girl like i don't know if there's insurance here i don't know where the hospital is i don't know like we're in Spain. and we're, we're like 200 yeah, we're gosh. like 200 yards away from the game because we have to walk to the store so i just kind of pull her back from the street a little bit and i look and it looks like her shin is snapped in half because her foot's over here but what's happening is so swollen because the foot came out of joint. It's just hanging by skin. It's she thought her foot was ripped off. Yeah, so I, I step out on the road and a similar thing happens where all of a sudden I'm talking and then I look over here and I see a car coming and it clicks in my brain. Oh my goodness, the road's open. Mm-hmm. And I turn to my left and immediately right there, there's like an SUV. Which, wow. And I was like... There's no like, SUVs on the whole island. It, it just would have totally hit me and knocked me back. And, oh and then next thing you know, I'm like down on the ground and feeling and watching this car run over me and then I think that my foot is ripped off like you were saying underneath the car so I'm looking under the car for my foot okay my my foot's still there then all of a sudden like the reality and the pain all sets in and I I didn't know what to do so I just knelt down and this is the first time I had a real contact with her besides her holding my hand and falling and I put my arms around her and I started praying because she's going in the shock I just heard home and I felt home no one had felt home in my arms since 12, 14 years before that. She was, and for me, in that moment, I'm like feeling shooting pain now coming up my body, and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I think I'm gonna throw up, and I don't know what just happened. I just get hit by a car, and then he puts his arms around me, and I'm, I remember thinking in the midst of all that, like, oh, this feels really nice. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a psycho. You just got hit by a car. Like, who thinks this? And, and so then, uh, that's so, all I remember. A guy had like, warned me about Michelle, showed up. And basically he said, Rick, you need to go to the hospital with her. And they gave her morphine, knocked her out. I'm in the, um, the ambulance and I just start praying for her. And this one guy can't speak English. And, Castellano. And so I, I felt like alone. And all of a sudden the reality started hitting me. Like God started awakening me to that I already was in love with her because I'm praying for her. And I started thinking, what if she would have just got killed? And I start weeping. Like, yeah, I, I love this girl, but I wouldn't, yeah. I would, I, I, she's passed out, but I wouldn't let my mind even realize that there was a potential that I could love her, you know, mm-hmm. and I saw her dancing around my heart, bringing it back to life, and, uh, and I was just like, oh, this is really crazy, so they get her into the ER, and the pastor shows up and says, hey, Rick, it's awesome that you're here right now, and I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, if you want to marry Michelle, and I'm like, Ralph, we just had this huge talk, like, you know, like, uh, what was discussed? He goes, no, no, I know, I know. But if you don't want to marry Michelle, you shouldn't be here right now. But if you want to marry Michelle, it's great that you're here. And I'm like, Ralph, what am I supposed to do with that? That's crazy. And he goes, well, go outside and pray. And if you feel a peace, come back in. If not, go home. And I went outside and prayed. And this supernatural peace just came over me. And I knew when I walked into her room that if she'd have me, she'd be my wife. And uh, the next month I stayed behind because she had blood clots. Uh, because of blood clots, she couldn't fly. I'd work, I'd always stay behind and work on the apartments. And as I was alone painting and working, like Jesus went with me through every file and every doubt I had and just said, this is, she's safe. Like your heart's safe. And the, the proverb that stands out is like, and her husband's heart is safe with 
And I never realized how important that aspect of beauty is. She's been everything I've ever needed and uh, nothing I ever expected. After that, her foot didn't heal right and she was going to be lame for the rest of her life, the doctor said. And she thought I wouldn't marry her. And I said, no, God chose you for me and we're going to do this anyways. And it's been miracles ever since. Our firstborn was born with um, deaf ears. Told us we never have kids. Our yeah. second born was born 95% deaf in both ears, Zion. And wow. uh, then second testing still deaf, and I was fasting and praying, and Michelle said, please test again. She, the doctor was like, these machines don't mess up, and we don't want to give parents false hopes. She says, please, please, please. The lady did it. Boom, boom, boom. Both ears opened up 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. probably when Levi came, it's like, how can we doubt the Lord wow. in the future when he's been, he's just been faithful in the past? Yeah, know? it's like Levi just felt kind of like another attack from the enemy to like keep us from yeah. hoping mm-hmm. or feeling oh like the Lord's just got us covered. So, it was like, yeah. it just made us press in even more. It's right. like, Brown, we know this baby is just such a right. gift from the Lord. So, here we are 10 years later, almost. almost yeah. And it's like, we're just starting to really be in sync. And the reality of it is, is you say yes to a covenant, you're, you're saying yes to a future event. Where we're at, we're so different. Michelle and I are so different. And our strengths are totally polar opposites. And so we can either totally be annoyed by each other or we can love each other with our gifts and cover each other. And we've learned to, through patience and and letting God in an exercise show us who the other person is as he sees and then commit to pulling that into our future through faith. There's so much to talk about. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to pull things out. What is marriage to you guys or how would you define that? Marriage is it's a covenant, it's not a contract. It's a choice to to come into a relationship with somebody else where heaven meets earth like no other. Like if you want to look at the Trinity, you want to look at heaven, you want to see a resemblance of it on earth, marriage is the number one thing that represents God's love. It's because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have perfect unity, and the Son is coming for His bride. The Shulamite in the Song of Songs, it's all about, she sees herself as ugly and unworthy, and he still says, but you're lovely. And he keeps calling her out, calling her out. So she finally says, I will go to the mountain of suffering with you. Like she finally catches how awesome he sees her as, that she's willing to go where she can never, in her own strength, she could never make it up that mountain. On earth, it's the number one target of the enemy, so I, I feel sorry for people who take marriage lightly and enter into it blindly because you're making yourself a public enemy to the principalities of hell. There's graces for you outside of marriage that the mafia of heaven, meaning like the demonic, will bless your relationship before marriage but once you step into marriage all that all that facade and he will hit you full bore and you will feel like you're in a cage stuck with someone you can't connect with so if you don't have jesus as the third rope as the third cord strand in marriage you enter into it without a real connection you jump on this other side and you just get worked but when jesus is at the core of it and your mind and your flesh fail you your strength is no longer based upon your logic. It's based upon mm-hmm. the truth. And the truth is, it, it's not this realm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. I agree with what you just said for sure. I also feel like marriage has been such a honor in so many ways and such a gift from the Lord just to, like, I've, I mean, I when I think about Rick and I think about how I imagined my husband being growing up and what I envisioned my life looking like. He's he's better than I could have imagined. And I just look at him and I, I know that he's a hand-picked gift from the Lord for me of everything I could have wanted. And then I look at our children and I think, oh my goodness, it's too much. You know, the Lord's too good to give so much. But I feel so honored we have an opportunity to represent Christ in our marriage and what that looks like in a healthy way I mean there's so many marriages in a real way in a real way in a genuine way in the sense of like so many people see marriages that are awful and on so many levels or even with their children going not having a safe place and everything and the fact that we get to break any 
past whatever that looks like and and create something new for ourselves for and pure for our children that is just really christ-centered and it's full of hope and and peace and full of jesus and and represents how the lord sees us and his heart for us and all these things just i don't think you have to be married to feel complete because with jesus he meets your every need wherever you're at but in this season as i get to be wife and mom i do feel so complete like i mean i definitely felt high aspirations growing up of different things that i wanted to do but as I look at my life and where I am right now, and I'm living one of my dreams. Like, I always wanted to be a wife. I dreamed about having kids, but I didn't know what it would look like, and I was unsure in so many ways, but it's better than I could have imagined. If I may say something, like, I, I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to be a dad. I never saw it work. I never saw it be a good thing. It seemed painful and hard, and I was too self-centered. When God gave me his heart, I started realizing how blind I was. But I still couldn't imagine being faithful to one woman my whole life because I was, I was actually completely given over to my flesh. So I couldn't imagine saying yes and being able to walk that out. But when, I, when we said yes and when we got married, we hadn't kissed on the lips. And our first kiss was on our wedding day on the lips. Mm-hmm. And there was a it's whole, there, there was a newness, <laughs> there, there was a newness that God gave us because we had both given ourselves. We'd, get, we'd poured out our fountains in the streets. Mm-hmm. We had been the proverb, me more so, you know, but I did it in ignorance and God restored. And I, I can tell you straighter than straight, I've never had an, any experience with any other person in my life because my marriage bed is blessed and undefiled. God's blessing is upon our relationship. There's no looking over my shoulder with this one. There's no like, oh my gosh, is she pregnant? Like, oh, there's, there's no negative. It's all yes and amen Mm -hmm. and then as we learn to trust each other and as we learn to trust him and understand that the sanctity of our marriage and everything we do to show heaven on earth in our relationship is blessed by him and holy as we learn to enjoy each other in every aspect that he made us and not be ashamed we enter into the garden it's crazy so it's it's there's no i'm 42 she's turned 30 there's no like we're over the hill you know what i mean it's like every day it's hard i mean don't get me wrong the worst thing we if you see a marriage with no no arguing and it seems like everything's perfect and they have the cars they have something's wrong because somewhere they got to be real somewhere life has to be a struggle because we're human but the reward of jesus being in the center of a marriage is unlike any drug i've ever had it's unlike any mountaintop experience. It's like unlike any touchdown, unlike any jumping out of an airplane. It, there, it, there's no comparison to having God in the middle of a marriage, not because we say it or act like it, but because he's really there. Yeah, I think that one, I mean, for me personally, the scripture verse that he says, I will give you life and life abundantly. And I look at like where I was going <laughs> before I decided, okay, wait, no, I need Jesus. And I want time with him. I was not ever going to be satisfied or fulfilled and now I look at where I am and all that I had and to know that I feel like this is the abundant life but to know that there's even more mm-hmm. it's just going to keep coming it's like yeah. what yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I would say the first thing I would do when somebody says we want to get married is I try to talk them out of it not because I don't want them to get married I want to know why what is it what, what are you after like where right. where's the bond here have you guys really hit the real road yet because yeah. if you don't you're gonna have a hard awakening. We're not fluffy marriage, but we're saying for what it truly is, it's amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing all of that and your wisdom and your story. We're honored, thank you. Thank you so much, Rick and Michelle, if you're listening, for sharing your story and your hearts with us. And I just feel it really strongly on my heart to just invite you if you haven't ever asked Jesus to come into your heart or into your home to do that, to stop right now. And I could lead you in a prayer It's really simple if you've just heard something that Rick and Michelle shared that touched you or moved you in a way where you're like, wow, I don't have Jesus in my life, but I want him. I want that hope of heaven, that abundant life that Michelle talked about. I want my marriage to serve my family and I want to break a generational curse. None of that is possible without the Holy Spirit, his help, with God's help. 
with his aid. And so how do we get that? We invite Jesus into our hearts. We believe in him. We receive his gift of salvation, his sacrifice, his dying on the cross for our sin. We recognize we can't do anything in our own strength that we need a savior. We're sinners, but we're thankful that God had a rescue plan in the name of Jesus. Jesus came and he died a sinner's death in our place. And all we need to do is receive him. And once you encounter him and his love, he begins to do such a transforming work in us. He doesn't expect us to be perfect or to be sinless, but as you grow in your knowledge of him, as you begin to experience this otherworldly love, you do. You begin to sin less and less, or you're quicker to repent, and you realize, wow, I'm sick, and I need someone to continually make me well, and that's Jesus. When you receive him, it is this commitment. Give your life to him, to serve him, to be all in for him. There's so many out there who just receive him and then that's it. But this is a call to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple, to read your word, to be a student of the word, to pray, to practice praying. If you don't know how to pray, that's okay. God will show you. Ask him. It's as simple as that. Just say, God, I don't know how to pray. Can you show me? Go get a Bible if you don't have one. Or if you have one that's collected dust, open it and ask him before you read. Show me yourself. And he will. He says in the Bible, you seek me, you will find me. And so if you're seeking with a genuine heart, he's going to reveal himself to you. And you'll begin to experience what we're describing here. And yes, we may receive abundant life and the promise of heaven. But I just want to let you know that the Christian walk, the Christian life isn't a cakewalk. The motivation shouldn't be to just have this emotional experience or to gain all these things. The Bible also clearly states that giving your life to Jesus means dying daily to yourself. What does that mean? It means exactly what Michelle and Rick were sharing, that there's going to be hard times. There's going to be moments where you have to learn the other and they're not fluffing anything. And in the same way, I don't want to fluff Christianity or what it means to follow Jesus. He's there for you. He's going to be there to shoulder the weight now, but it doesn't mean it's going to be pain-free, suffering-free. It actually might be the opposite. He wants to do that work in you through those ways, through that pain, through that hard thing, through the trial. But the Bible promises that you will come forth like gold. There are so many promises to be found in the Bible. I just wanted to make that part clear to you too. So knowing this, when you pray this, Be excited because God's about to take you on one of the grandest journeys of your life. And you're going to learn more about who you are, your identity in Him, and that's it. It's as simple as that. And so what we're talking about, Rick and Michelle, they've had this experience. They've prayed to receive the Lord in their heart. I've done the same. Mitch and Maria, there's a time and a place in each of our lives where we've had that opportunity. So if you've never had that opportunity, this can be the opportunity. You only need to simply ask Him into your heart. So I'll lead you in a prayer if you'd like to. You can simply pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I believe that you're the Savior and I want to invite you into my heart, my life, into my home, into my family. I confess the sins that I've committed, Lord, against you. And I praise you and thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and that you offer salvation and the gift of eternity your sacrifice. Be Lord of my life, of my home, and I thank you for choosing me, thank you for loving me, and for forgiving me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, then I'd like to welcome you to the family of God. Congratulations, and I'm so glad that you've made it to this point and that you got to hear from Rick and Michelle. Wanted to update you guys on just some really cool, exciting things coming up for the project and just some of the feedback I received. I had always seen this map lit up in my mind as I dreamed for this project, as I wrote things down in my vision planners, which is a whole notebook full of just notes and promises from God. And what I saw when I checked the analytics on the website was that map lit up. And I couldn't have even imagined that in my wildest of dreams because I didn't really know what that meant. But I saw people viewing from Thailand, Ireland, Haiti, Mexico, Belarus. I had to Google that. I don't even know where that is. It's in Eastern Europe. Switzerland, Germany, Canada, the UK, 
You guys, so many people tuned into this and so many unique page views and visitors. That is what God meant. That's what he's doing. He is reaching out, maps lighting up, hearts lighting up, I hope, and just encouragement being found. I even had someone share that they were going to share the podcast with their married couples Bible study. That was such an encouragement to my heart because that's what it is all about. I want to invite you guys to be vulnerable, to open up in your communities, that you know that you're not alone, that there's others doing it. And by opening up, you just create this deeper bond and you grow together and you get to pray for each other and you get to realize, you know what? I'm not the only one that's struggling with that. I'm not the only one having a hard time hoping or believing God for something. It's okay to admit that. God wants us to admit those things. He wants us to be honest with him. If not with each other, then absolutely with him. So if you're afraid to do that first with each other, do it first with him. Open up your heart and just lay it all out for him so he can begin speaking to your heart. Because when we bring things to the light, darkness is exposed and it cannot be where light is. So don't let those things that are lurking there in your heart, those hard things, stay in darkness. Bring them to light so that others can be encouraging you, praying for you. I'm just excited to see what he's going to do through this podcast and through your guys' sharing. Let me know if there's any really cool stories. I want to share them. I want to encourage others with them. And the other thing I wanted to share is just the atmosphere, the recording, like where we'll be. It doesn't matter, I guess, to me, the quality. I'd rather have you guys just feel like you're there, that you feel like you're part of the adventure. And adventure it will be because I have a few places, I said last time I shared this, that I'm praying about going to. I'm not going to announce it quite yet because it's not completely set in stone, but it's exciting. And I just want you to feel like you're on the journey with me, that you're you're there with these couples, that you could imagine yourself being in the car or wherever we sit, if it's in a park or outside or in a studio, it doesn't matter where, but I just want to create that sense of you're included, you're with us, and that being just a part of it, that you will be excited to see where the project is going next. And maybe this is a season that you have young kids and you can't travel like you once did, or you haven't been able to do that because of health reasons or finances or whatever it is, that this would just be an outlet that you could just feel like you're somewhere else, that you get to escape for those 30, 45 minutes that you're listening and just be praying for those people and knowing where they are and having that contribute to that. Thank you so much for hanging out for episode number two of The Marriage Project. Mark your calendars for next Wednesday. I'm going to begin releasing them every first Wednesday of the month. So if you're still listening, you're the first to know that. See you guys then.